clap your hands unto the Lord. He is worthy of every praise. There should be, there shouldn't be anybody quiet at this moment to give God praise because he is worthy. He is worthy of honor and glory, and he is worthy of much more of that. Our time and of our giving, and it's, it's just, it's endless what he is worthy of. And in doing that, I just want to give thanks, you know, first off, Pastor, for letting me come up here. As Brother, uh, brother said yesterday, uh, last week, it is a privilege to be up here. It's a privilege to come up here and speak about what God has done, not only in our lives, but what God can do in everyone else's life through his word. And we are just blessed to be able to come up here and share God's word. And I just praise the Lord. We won't get nervous. <laughs> God is good, isn't he? Amen. Well, uh, starting with, uh, I know that we serve a loving God. And I want to start with that because he, as the song says, he, he, he's our healer. He's our savior. But we also know that he is our foundation. He is the strength in our bones when we feel weak. And um, how many of us are glad for the word? That God declares that to us, everything that he does and everything that he will do even in the future. And, and if you believe that this is the God that we serve, that you ought to clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise. Because this is Jesus. This is the Messiah. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is one and the same. He is not three. He is only one. Praise the Lord. He is full of wisdom, love, and he promises to give us what we need if we just obey his voice. Praise God. All this because he wants to give us uh, what we need through mercy and through grace, not that we deserve any of it, but yet still we obtained it because of that. And in saying that, uh, I just want to give a little bit of a, uh, we were here Thursday and we heard some news about Brother brother Fry, and we, we prayed, and I just got word from Brother uh, Brother Roger, that he is doing much better. So if you were here and or you heard about it, you prayed for it, know that God still answers prayers and he is getting better and he will get better because God is in the midst. The people that believe and have this have faith that God is a healer know that God is a rewarder and he also hears the cries of his children. So we are blessed for that. Ladies who just came back from conference, I know that you've come back with something more than what you didn't have. So that's a good thing. I'm glad to, to sit and know that, you know, those that went, they received something and they were blessed by the Spirit of God. And I know that women were there, but the Spirit of God still falls in places where they gather together under his name. And it is a blessing not only to them, but also those who they touch, whose lives they touch. And I just want to you know, give them, you know, commend them for that, for going the length, going the, the, the stretch. In doing so, we're going to go ahead and open up with the word. And um, we know God is, uh, how, do, how many of us know that God, God is good, but also he is, uh, in his goodness, he teaches us how to live. And, and because we live as he asks us to, we, he rewards us. And I'm not, he doesn't reward us, you know, the same all the time. Uh, sometimes it's time with family. Sometimes it can be financial, but he won't always bless you with finances. I just want to make that clear. But he will bless you with his peace and his presence. And that is more valuable than anything in my, in our, you know, as we know it. And now Romans chapter 8, verse 12 through 17. And the Bible says, therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if, if we live after the flesh, ye shall die. 
But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. God is our spiritual father. Verse 16, the Spirit, and it says meaning, this is meaning the Holy Ghost, itself beareth witness with our spirit. This is when we get the Holy Ghost. Paul is talking to uh, a church, uh, a people that have been filled with the Spirit, that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him. And again it says, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. And again, this is with him. Praise the Lord. If you would pray with me and in prayer that God would speak to us today, <clears throat> but also speak to me because I'm up here talking. We know that the, uh, the preacher always preaches to himself first and then uh, also to the group. And so it's got to come to me first, and then I hope as it convicts me, if I'm in this, then it will reach out to those who are in need. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We, help, we ask you, Lord, to help us, Lord, because you have adopted us into your kingdom. Help us not only for, to help ourselves, Lord, but also to help others that are still spiritually um, need to be adopted, Lord. Lord, help us to not be distracted, but instead make us a witness for you so that they would come to know about your goodness and your blessings for them, that they would just give someone a chance to talk to them about you. We know that you can help them greatly just as you have done for us. And, Lord, we will be those people, Lord, that you have called us to be, Lord, loving, caring, Lord, as your spirit leads us. And everyone said in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Praise God. So the title of this message is Welcome to the Family, and I'm throwing that out there right now so you kind of have a general idea what this is going to be about. In the book of Romans chapter 8, verse 15, Paul makes clear by the writing down, as he writes down what it, it is he's intending to say, and he says this in the spirit, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And we know that to be the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that he is our spiritual father said earlier. But prior to this, in verse 13, Paul tells us that if we listen to what the Holy Ghost is telling us is wrong and we mortify the deeds of the body, which mortify means to put to death. And, it's, and Paul ends the letter by saying, ye shall live. Even though we have the Spirit of God in us, it is still up to us to make the right decisions according to the Word of God. And through that conviction of the Holy Ghost, we must put the, to, to death the deeds of the flesh. Paul tells us that we have received the spirit of adoption. This adoption is by no means a comparison to an adoption that we happen to uh, understand clearly as the world gives an example. There are this, they've got similar characteristics, and, but they're not entirely the same. There's by far uh, not comparison, in comparison, not alike at all. One is physical and the other one is spiritual. One saves, but the other one is not that it doesn't save, but it does nurture and it keeps, and it keeps hold of someone. And, and I'll talk a little bit about that later on. 
I think about these things often as, as, as I read the title. Uh, and again, I was sharing with uh, someone where when I read the scriptures and when I read what this topic is about, I, I, tend, to, um, I tend to meditate on the word and I tend to meditate on what God wants me to say because a lot of the times uh, what you find in the teaching will give you exactly what the scriptures are wanting you to say, but you also want to be able to reach out uh, in the spirit so that God can speak to not only you, but those who have probably been in the same situations. I was thinking about it, uh, again, as I mentioned about the title, and I began to remember of many times in my life that I had heard, welcome to the family. How many of us have heard that before? Amen. So, and one of the, and I'm just going to share some, uh, a few instances. Uh, some of them were exciting to me because the very first time I ever heard that was, and I might have heard it other times, but this one I distinctly remember because I had joined a martial arts class. And not that I wanted to beat anybody up, but it was something where everybody dressed the same. You had a white tobo and you had your karate belt. And they, once you put that on because you purchased it, that means that you were committed. And they would say, welcome to the family. The next one was, uh, was at a Baptist church. I was baptized in the titles. We had... Uh, Ask Jesus into our heart. As they say, and I'm not, not putting them down or anything like that. We know that that's not what the Lord asks of us. There's a little bit more to that. And, uh, of course, the uh, pastor of the church stood up and he said, he felt that he was going to say that. And he said, we want to welcome uh, Martha and Andy to the family. And I will have to say that it did feel good to be included. There's, there's, uh, there's a feeling of in- inclusion. And, and when you feel that inclusion, you don't want to separate from that. It feels good. And, of course, the third one was when I was baptized in Jesus' name, in Immokalee. I was baptized by a Pastor Reels. Uh, for those who might know him, uh, I remember uh, I recorded this, so I have the video, but I won't go back and see it as often as I should. And I probably should because it will remind me. But the best part was the spiritual embracing. Uh, the, he, you know, he took us in. Uh, there, there's a responsibility that comes with embracing, and I'm going to say adoption, when God adopts someone in the spirit, there has to be a, uh, an unraveling of ourselves at times to allow someone to, uh, you know, come with us and, and, and join us in maybe a meal. Or, uh, and, of course, they have to do the same thing so that we can share things about the Lord. And there's a responsibility that comes with that. And, and they did just that. They, they taught us and they led us in that right path. And I remember that point in our lives that, you know, the Lord began to clarify things to us of not only that he was God, but he was real and that we were in a walk towards death. And that, I believe, is so important to be done for every new believer. They need to be aware of their situation and the importance of what steps they need to take next. The initial impression was that uh, what kept me there, I, I want to share, I think it was, um, you've all heard the saying, if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. But if you teach him how to fish, you will feed him for a lifetime. And I strongly believe that's what happened that day. I believe that when I sat there, and I'm going to, I mean, we, went, we were there for almost two and a half years, but I tell you what, we sat there, I mean, service after service, and we ate together and we talked together. And there was always an important, but again, there was a hunger in our hearts to be able to, to learn more about God. It has to come from both sides. 
It's not only one. It has to come from both sides. A, someone can desire to teach, but if the person is not ready to receive, they, there, can't, there can't be an exchange. It's a give and a take. The adoption of someone entails and it carries a hefty responsibility. And I, put, I noted three things, three responsibilities that, that are heavy, uh, you know, that I believe are, are important. Love, correction through instruction, and vice versa. And, and uh, lastly, uh, encouragement. And you might think, well, how does this fit in? And here's what I, I noted. This is, here's what it sounds like. God loved, loved us enough to correct us through the instruction of his word. And if we obey his word, and here's the encouragement, he will help us through the struggles as we prepare to get to heaven. It's, it's, it's a sealed deal if we obey the word of God. The first one is love, and as I mentioned, uh, of an adoptee, there is no love. Uh, if there's no love for them, then the, this adoption is surely to fail. How m- I don't know how many of us know people who have had kids that they have adopted, and I've known many people who have adopted kids, and I've seen the success in some, but I've also seen the failures in some. And a lot of the times, the failures was not on the parent's side. The child was grown, and they had lived and understand, understood things a certain way, and they decided to live that way, and it's hard to break loose from that. This is why it's important. In my, uh, you know, when I, when I talk to people, I say, you know, the Bible says, Proverbs 22, verse 22, 6, teach a child the way they should go, and then when they grow old, they will not depart from it. And if we teach them that, then when, as, even if they get older, they're going to know this is what I have to do, and they'll follow in that. And again, this, that begins as a part of an adoption as a child as they begin to develop. Someone who is adopted is someone who is either an orphan or a child who does not have a parent uh, to look after them. But Paul makes reference to the orphan, directing it to us who, are, who were adopted, not as orphans who did not have fathers of the flesh, but orphans who did not have a spiritual father. But thank to God, thanks God, thank to God, uh, that is no longer the case because now we, we do. If we have embraced, and I say if, we have embraced God's love through his, word, through his word to us, then we will see that promise. I'm throwing the, uh, I'm kind of putting a little emphasis on the if word simply because I think, I, I wanted to make this teaching a little bit more of a reflection, not just something for us to hear. It's, it's for us to reflect on the if word some is good and some is bad and then it says and if we have then we will have an we'll have a possession in only in the only saving faith which is through Jesus Christ this is assuming that we do take hold of this Merriam's Webster defines an orphan as a child deprived by death of one or usually two parents and I think we're and and I want to mention this because of what I'm going to say next but we also have the adopted definition legally made the son or daughter of someone other than a biological parent. So in just reading this, here's what I gathered. The def- through these definitions, we can figure that an orphan is automatically deprived, not by choice, of the love of his or her biological parents if one or more path- pass away. But through an adoption, an orphan will have a better chance at life because someone has decided to give of their life or time and I will say sacrificially for the betterment of an adopted individual. How many of us would agree to that? There's life, there's life when we, and the same thing would apply even to uh, someone who is of age. We know children need to belong and require quite a bit of attention, but 
if I may add to the criteria and say that even the middle-aged and elderly seek belonging as well. How many of us have come across people who have felt that they need to belong? They need, a, they need to be connected. I know that I was probably about 30 where I felt that, and praise God, I, I found a church, but that it didn't stop there. I needed more involvement. I needed to be involved in the things of God. And in doing so, God has blessed us, and I say us, because we're here as a church to do his will and his bidding. But we don't stop there. We keep going forward. The basic need of belonging stretches from childhood to adulthood. People, li people's lives are sometimes torn apart due to the loss of something of value to them. And in the most case, in most cases, it's relationships. Relationships can change within minutes, and the feeling of abandonment, abandonment can set in far more faster than you can think. A feeling of a spiritual orphan can be devastating. How many of us are glad that God did adopt you into his kingdom? He gave you something to live for, but more importantly, he, he is going to give you something greater once he comes back for his church. Praise the Lord. The feeling of abandonment, abandonment causes some to attend, uh, attempt, I'm sorry, to climb the ladder of acknowledgement to get someone's attention and knowing what kind of response will, not knowing what kind of response will come. In other words, I think uh, when, when people get desperate to get out there and do something or know someone because they feel lonely, they will do things that are not their usual thing and could possibly get into trouble or even attract the wrong kind of attention. Some will fall and some will get their fame for just a moment, but at the cost of what? All, is, all this simply because the feeling of loneliness is not pleasant and overwhelmingly exhausting at times. In 2 Samuel, in the ninth chapter, Mephibosheth, and I had to practice that word because it's not an easy one to say, praise God, <clears throat> took some tips from Bishop. He said, break up the word. So I, I listened. So if he's hearing, I, 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 hear, I heard what you said, Bishop. And it says, uh, who was, he was an only child when he uh, lost his father, Jonathan, who was the son of Saul, the first appointed king of Israel, who was called by, uh, by God, he, uh, King David. He was summoned, you might say, Mephibosheth, uh, knowing that, the, that King David had uh, preceded the throne after his grandfather, probably thought the worst uh, when King David called for him. But what he didn't know was that compassion and mercy was upon the heart of David, to help a forgotten and paralyzed son of his friend that was no more, his, that was at one time his brother and is no more. So in 2 Samuel uh, chapter, chapter 9, and I'm going to read the scripture, David said, uh, says this, is there, yet, is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And I think we've all read, uh, possibly have read this before. If not, uh, just uh, I'm going to give you a kind of a quick rundown through it. Ziba then meets with David and tells him where he is because he's asking him. Uh, Ziba knows about his whereabouts. Uh, Mephibosheth is then brought to King David where instead of hurting him as uh, Mephibosheth thinks he's going to do, David restores to him all that Saul used to possess. And again, again he re uh, replenished it as it being his own, not King David's or whoever's it was. And this is exactly what God wants 
to give us when he adopts us. He wants to restore that which was lost at one point in time. And it may not be something of possession as is, as would be land or, or objects, but he wants to re-bring uh, re, uh, us, or I say re reconciliate us, reconcile us back to him, and give us that which we, we need, which is a spiritual adoption. This is what David did. It was an example of David doing something prior to, the, uh, to what we have received here today. The physical adoption of uh, Mephibosheth is a type of spiritual adoption that God wants to give us. And David declared to Ziba in verse 11 to make sure Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth was taken care of in, uh, just, in this, just in case. And it reads in 2 Samuel chapter uh, 9, verse 11, Then said Ziba unto the king, According to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant. Praise the Lord. <laughs> We're back online. <laughs> so here, uh, as for Mephibosheth, as, uh, said the king, he shall eat at my table. This is a scripture as one of the king's sons. So here uh, he is telling him, uh, he is making the declaration. He's telling Ziba this. And, of course, he, Ziba's obeying. And, uh, and knowing this, we know that if we, in the same way, we know that if we obey God's word, then God is going to, uh, not only uh, take care of us, not only is he going to correct us to his word, but he's also going to give us all that we need, uh, even at his own table. This is from the king's table. Uh, what David did with Meth uh, Mephibosheth was an example of God's mercy and compassion. Even so, God still requires something on our behalf if we plan on keeping what God has given us when we are spiritually adopted. And I brought in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 3 through 4. And it says, Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given for a witness, oh, I'm sorry, given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. David's example was uh, to show us what God wants from us. And and that he will make an everlasting covenant with us if we hear what he says. The word uh, does not mean just to listen. The word, uh, when it says hear, it means to also act upon. So when God said hear this, it was hear this, but then do it. It wasn't, it wasn't a choice. And if you didn't do it, obviously you would suffer the repercussions of it. Isaiah, uh, then it said, I believe it's obvious that uh, God wants us to recognize the faults of David so that we don't repeat them, but more importantly, observe what David did and said that was pleasing to the Lord. The adoption comes with the instructions to follow. How many of us believe that if you're adopted, then there's got to be an instruction for us to follow? There's Nobody is going to take someone under their household and say, you can live as you want. I've had older people ask me if, uh, you know, if I come and live with you and uh, you know, how is that going to work? And, I, and this is way back in the day. I don't do it anymore. <laughs> My place is way too small. But I would tell them, this is what's going to happen. And, uh, and when it didn't happen, they were out of the house. And I wasn't serving God at the time, but I knew that it would affect my children. So I needed to put them out, and I did. Isaiah is referencing here. Uh, in Isaiah 56, 1, uh, 1, 8, 1 through 8, my, I probably won't go through all of them. He says, uh, uh, thus saith the Lord, keep ye 
judgment and do justice for my salvation is near to come and my righteousness to be revealed. Isaiah is referring to the coming of the Lord Jesus and continuing in verse 2, he references back to verse 1. And he says, blessed is the man that doeth this and the son of man that layeth hold on it. It says, doeth this and layeth hold on it. Doeth and hold on what is the question. He's talking about the judge. He's talking about judgment and justice. And he goes on to say that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it and keepeth his hand from doing any evil. So even though this is Isaiah, we still have the same teachings that God has given us even in the New Testament through Jesus. Now we know that the conviction is much greater because the conviction is through the heart, the spirit. And, uh, and I actually recently was discussing something uh, with someone that I heard where um, I always taught, and I want to correct this, I always said that the spirit of God cannot be in an unclean temple. And I was talking about a person but the fact of the matter is that God can be in an unclean temple and doesn't mean that he takes pleasure in it. But he also the Bible tells that he takes record of it. And so when we get the Holy Ghost uh, and this is why the Bible, I believe, says that we will be held at a higher accountability. It would have been better for us to have never known this because the Holy Ghost is in us. The spirit of Jesus, the Holy Ghost is in us and he sees everything that we do. We know that the Sabbath, uh, what the Sabbath was about, and I'm referencing to this because I just mentioned it. It was established as a standard for the Jewish people only. It was to remember the Lord and honor him in remembrance of him, meaning God. And it was for the people to remember what the seventh day meant for God. It was his day of rest. Not that God was tired, but the word rest actually means to step back and reflect on what God has done. Uh, it was to give God honor and reverence. It was the standard. But the standard didn't stop there. It, the standard carried on into the new covenant. It was the covenant through the life, death, and burial of Jesus Christ. It was the covenant that, made, uh, made through the, that was made through the cross, the blood that was spilled there. And this covenant was holy. And it is the only covenant that will give us access to heaven if we follow what the word says to us. Which again, we know that the the resurrection happens through the uh, through the res through the infilling of the Holy Ghost, and so this resurrection is one of my I should say one of our more exciting parts because when God comes back, the resurrection is what brings us to life. It is His Spirit. So even though Jesus uh, has resurrected and ascended into heaven, we are still to keep judgment and justice. How many of us agree with that? It's God's word. We are to agree with that. Verse four, jumping down to verse four. And I brought this in because for, uh, for thus saith the Lord unto the eunuchs that keep my Sabbath and choose the things that please me and take hold of my covenant. Even unto them will I give in mine house and within my walls a place and a name better than of the sons and of daughters. In scripture, Isaiah is prophesying. He is talking about. The non-believers, obviously, he's talking about those that are not included. He mentions how those who were non-believers uh, would come to the faith and they would have a better place. We know that the people he is talking about, the daughters and the sons, he's talking about the children of Israel. But this is not something and, and he's doing this, of course. We know that he did that to uh, bring jealousy upon Israel, but it's not something that we should boast about. It should be something that we should rejoice and say where our name is written in heaven. And for that reason, we uh we give praise and glory to God. We, and in 
doing so, we should probably, instead of, you know, bragging about it, just worship God and say, God, you are worthy. You have given us what we have, you know, uh, what we don't deserve. And we are so humbly uh, thankful. Verse five, I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And then jumping to verse six. Also, the sons and stranger that join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord to be. And it says his servants, everyone that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it. And it says again, and take hold of my covenant. I think we also know that um, all of us would understand that taking hold of a covenant is important. We know that it is it holds the promises of the Lord. We also know that it is uh, it holds the uh, even though we don't think of it that way, it does hold his statutes and his ordinances. It's a spiritual one. Even then will I bring to my, and it says, I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. And of course, he's talking to the Gentiles. They're burnt, or to, uh, of the Gentiles, their burnt offerings and their sacrifice shall be accepted upon time, uh, upon my altar, for my uh, house shall be called an house of prayer for all people. The Lord God, which gathereth the outcasts of Israel, Yet will I gather others to him beside those that are gathered, that are gathered unto him. We are to be uh, keeping ourselves for God, involving ourselves in godly things. And and you give and we don't give any leeway uh, to the worldly ideas and thoughts. I think it's very easy to do that, to slip away into that simply because we're surrounded by it. But I think as uh, if we are going to represent a kingdom that is holy, uh, we should uh, hold back from uh, enjoying certain things that are not pleasing to the Lord. I don't want to point out any things, but I think if we if we take the things that we do and we com- uh, compare it to the Word, because the Word is what is our guideline, then we're going to find that comparison to either be acceptable or unacceptable, and we can remove those things from our lives, which will make us uh, better for the Lord, but also better as a better witness for the kingdom. Praise God. God has grafted us into his kingdom and has given us the authority through the Holy Ghost to expose the hidden things of the world. How many of us believe that God has given us this this, uh, discernment to be able to see the things that are happening? And I'm not only talking about the things that we can see on the television. I'm talking about when you walk up to someone and you can identify that there's something wrong with that individual. And they either need prayer or they're having a hard time spiritually. And uh, I have had the, um, I am so honored that God has been, um, uh, faithful, and he has been <clears throat> good to me and walking me through my walk. I have uh, several times explained where I have spoken to people where I work at, and um, many of the times, some of those people I don't even work with, and I end up sharing uh, the word, and I have, and it's, for me, it's exciting, and when they see that, uh, they, they tend to stick around a little bit longer, and they wonder what's going to come, come up next, and uh one, one particular case, I ended up sharing about the tabernacle. I said, you know, people don't understand at times what the tabernacle is all about. The Bible talks about the holy, the ho- you know, wh- how holy it was, but people don't understand. So I explained it to her in a more layman's terms, and she was very grave. She goes, I've never heard it like that before. We have to be able to explain what this word means and, and why it is that it says it this way. Uh, God says that he is holy, and so I explained what holy meant. I said to her, holy doesn't mean that you have a beaming light coming out of you. It means to be set apart. It means to to say, I'm going to consecrate myself for the Lord. Anything that is of the world is not going to be within me because I want to honor my God, because I love my God. And in doing that, um, 
you'd be surprised how you can help someone change their mind to serve God and not to feel angry at what it is that uh, at times people come to the church and say, this is what it is. We have to give them, we have to give, meet, meet them in the middle, you know, meet them in the middle and explain to him, the, explain to them the, what it is that God wants to do for them and bring them through. The Bible says that God grafted, grafted us into his kingdom and has given us the authority, as I said, in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost was given, has been given to us as a gift through our obedience when we first started to walk with the Lord. Paul's letter in the book of Romans was written as God inspired him to write that which was needed. Encouraging words with corrective instruction is beneficial even today. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 1 through 11, there is therefore, the Bible says, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Uh, and again, again, this is after you have been adopted, and I just want to make a note of that. Uh, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus have made me free from the law of sin and death. Not that it was different, but it was it was it was it was uh, it was transformed in a sense, and I, now it was a spiritual transformation. For what the law could not do, hear this, in that it was weak through the flesh. So the law wasn't weak. It was just the flesh that could not commit to it. God sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemns sin in the flesh. So because of the righteousness of Christ, we are able to first off abolish our sins through the blood of Jesus Christ in baptism. And of course, we have to repent of our sins. And in doing this repentance, God will wash away our sins when we go down in the water and we're baptized in his name. And then it says in verse, uh, verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. And we're talking about the righteousness of Christ in us. How would that be? Through the re, uh, we are rejuvenated. We are renovated. Uh, we, are, we have become new creatures. And then it says, who walk not after the flesh. He's being very specific. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. How many of us want to be spiritually minded? God will give you peace when you least expect it. You could be, you could, and I'm not saying, well, and again, I'm talking about if, if you're living for the Lord and you're doing your best and you say, Lord, I have denied these things. I have not gone there and I've gone there. And then God all of a sudden turns the tables for you and he gives you favor. How many of us want, how many of us want favor? We want favor with the Lord. Amen. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So again, this is why we need to be baptized into Christ. So then they, they, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And then verse 9, but ye are not in the flesh, listen, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. And if, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. God kills it. He destroys it. He abolishes it. He removes it. But the spirit is life.
because of righteousness, and that is putting on his righteousness. Our righteousness, we know, is as filthy as rags, but his will cleanse, of us, cleanse us of all our sins. But if the spirit of, Jesus, of, spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Praise the Lord. Amen. God wants us to adopt God wants to adopt us if we enter into his covenant and uh, he will t- and he will take care of us if if we abide in his word and if we do the benefit if we do the benefits outweigh our sufferings when we go uh, what we go through and this is of course the sufferings are of life and on this earth but our convictions will also let me just say will bring us closer to Christ they will help us to see the script the scriptures in a more clear view uh, if we uh, we say that we will give ourselves to the Lord, we will submit to the word. And the word submit is hard to um, is hard to accept. And I want to explain it as it was explained as I heard it not too long ago. When you submit to the word, it means that you are under the word, which is meaning that you say that I obey this word. I understand that it's the word of God. It doesn't mean and I, when I see the word submit. I see people, you know, bowing down, which does happen. I'm not going to say it doesn't. It does happen. It is a submission to God is a worship to God. And in our, through our submission, we are able to uh, make better choices. We're able to, uh, when we have our downfalls, it's easier for us to get past them because I always look at it this way. God, I have placed my trust in you, and everything that happens in my life is because you have ordained it, and you had made it this way. And so when bad happens, I take it in. But I take it in and I look at it as something, this is possibly something that God is trying to teach me. And if he is teaching me something, then I want to be part of that. I don't want to pray it away. I don't want to say, Lord, because if we pray it away, the chances are God is good and he will hear our cries and he will, put, he will push it away. But know this, that if you have not mastered it, he will bring it back to you again. So we need to deal with it right there in the spot and say, God, just Ask for strength. Help me endure this trial, Lord. And sometimes the trial isn't from God. God will allow, I'm going to say this, that God will allow the enemy to go into your life. He did, he did to Job. What makes us think he won't do it to us? And to God be the glory. Because if we come out on the other end, guess what? God is going to say, this is my faithful, this is my good and faithful servant. He is mine. You see how, how he endured, how he said I, he would not give in. He prayed. He seeked my word. He, he heard my counsel, and he did not break because he knows that his God is greater than he who is coming against him. Greater is he who is in the world. I'm sorry. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Praise the Lord. If you would stand to your feet. Last, last teaching here is uh, Josiah. Josiah was uh, a king of Israel. And uh, being king, uh, during his time and reign, if we've read the story, he was, he was surrounded by idols. And um, obviously they were worshiping different gods. There was what we would call today warlocks and witches. But Isaiah... Um, Josiah didn't let that um, hinder him. Within his heart, within his, and I'm going to say within his spirit, he decided he was going to restore the temple. He, uh, 
he decided to go forth and, and he wanted to make something better for his people. He knew what he was taught long ago and how it was forgotten and how his father had pushed away the things of the Lord and gave in to the things of other gods. But Josiah was different. Josiah decided to go a different way. He decided, let's restore this temple when he became king. And as he, when he became king, I believe that, see, this is what happens when you begin to do something for God. God will meet you in the middle. God allowed them to find the scrolls, which were the books of Moses. And when he found the books of Moses, he decided that he, he was not going to leave things as they were. He read the scriptures and he obeyed the scriptures. The Bible says that he tore down every high place. Not only did he tear, tore, tear down every high place, he destroyed every idol. And he also had every priest that was not of God killed. There was a reason for that. It was an abomination against God. In that same sense, because God did that, God blessed him. We know that the story doesn't end there. There's more that comes to it. But the reaction that happened because of something that he found, his, his, his response to finding something that was true, something that was of God, made him respond in such a way that he couldn't go back. He didn't want to go back. And he also acted very, very aggressively and abruptly. In the same way, when we read God's word, we should be, we should, we should be aggressive. We should be abrupt when we hear God's word and it begins to speak to us and minister us. If, if Jesus said in the most, you know, if he said in most, his most loving words, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. It almost sounds like, hey, I love you, but you got to listen. It's not, such, it's not such a bad thing when we hear it that way. It hurts sometimes, and, but the Bible also teaches us that that through, you know, through these things, there's going to be hard times. There's going to be teaching. And, but these teachings are to help us. And it will bring forth good fruit if we obey God's word. But if we don't, pray that God will help you. If I don't, pray for me that God would help me. I make mistakes. I'm human. I'm not saying that I'm perfect. But I, one thing I know for sure that this word is true. It's real. It's Jesus, and he is coming back for a church without spot and blemish. And we want to be aware of that, and I want to share that. Not that anybody, not that you may not know, but I just want us to be ready. I want us to all be ready. This is my family. This is a spiritual family. And anybody who comes in, I welcome them to the family. If you have never been baptized in Jesus' name or have been filled with the Holy Ghost, I invite you today to, to make that decision today and come into this family. This is a family of salvation. This is a family of peace, of love, and our God gives it to us. Mercy is merciful. He is full of grace, and he will not leave us nor forsake us. we got to trust in him. Amen. If you would stand to your feet, raise your hands unto the Lord. You join us in song as we worship God. Hallelujah. To worship you, I am. To worship you, I live, I live to worship you. Hallelujah. Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, we say, Lord. To worship you, I live. You worthy. To worship you, I live, I live to worship you. We magnify you this morning, Lord. Come on, say. To worship you, I live. 
of triumph. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Make a joyful noise. He is worthy. He is worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. Jesus. You know, when I started to worship the Lord, I wasn't very vocal. I was more of a just a hand clapper. And then as I moved into it, I began to sing. And I want to share with you, I broke dance here. This is where I broke dance. There is a growth in every spiritual life. You may have started somewhere, but you know what? It doesn't end there. You've got to move on to the next thing. You've got to move on and know that there is a spiritual growth that can happen within you if you say, Lord, I want to be a worshiper for you. The slightest words, the slightest words, Lord, to worship you, I live. Nobody may hear it. Nobody may hear it, but you know what? He does. He does. To worship you, I live Jesus, to worship you, mighty God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm a little bit embarrassed right now, God, but, but you know, I, I still want to worship you. I still want to worship you, Lord. And, he, and then he'll break within you the bowels of, of praise and worship. Just don't stop. Don't stop. Praise God. We're going to go into, the, uh, into prayer. If you are watching on the media, if it's working, uh, we'd like to, to join us at 11 o'clock. We're going to have a worship service and uh, we're always coming here and expecting what something that God is going to do. We're never going to leave here the same. We always come here to be changed and transformed by the Word of God. That's what He does. That's what He does. See, the Word that comes forth, it will not return void. And for that, I am glad and I believe you are also glad for that. Thank you so much for uh, praise team and those who are here. You've come this morning. I hope God has blessed you with this Word. I know that He has blessed me. And uh, that's also important, right? 
If he's blessed me, I need to hear it. I need to speak to myself. I can sometimes say words and not hear them. And I need to be blessed by that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. God bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.